Welcome to Parallel Church, one church in multiple locations. Let's welcome all of our church that's joining us this morning in Tabor with Pastor Renee and Jill. Welcome to you guys. Welcome to Claire's home with Pastor Brian and Heidi. Welcome to you guys. Welcome Okotoks with Pastor Joel and Tanisha. Welcome Lloyd Minster with Pastor Mike and Kara. Welcome all of you joining us online, wherever you're watching around the world with Pastor Tim and Jen. Welcome to you guys. Welcome Lethbridge. Thanks for joining us with Pastor Ralph and Cindy. Man, our God is so good. So good. We are in part three of a series that we've entitled New Year's Resolution. And I know when we get to part three of a New Year's Resolution, we're all done. Like, hey, come on, we're, let's be honest, we're three weeks into January now. New Year's gone and passed. We're like, our resolutions are done. However, that may be true for, for this year. But what we're talking about in this series is New Year's resolutions that are more than just a one-year resolution. These are resolutions that are, are really a lifetime resolution. And, and these five that we're sharing in this series uh, are, are five that, that kind of got stirred in my spirit in, in a big way when I was on sabbatical and was pressing into God and, and you know, had time to press in a little bit deeper in, in different things and really felt like, you know, coming back into, into ministry, like seeking God for what, you know, what he wanted me to focus on personally, but also seeking God for what he wanted us to focus on as a church and, and as a church moving forward. And, and we've, we're going through these one by one. And if you've missed the, the previous weeks, these are, these are really, if you're pressing in, I think in conversations that I'm having with many of you, all of our campuses are, are ones that this is, God's already speaking a lot of these things to you already. How many would just boldly say, hey, this, I've, I've felt the same thing uh, in many ways. I, I just didn't word it the same but I've felt similar kind of pressing. I think that's encouraging because that means that our hearers are working, that God is, is speaking. If God is speaking something similar to all of us, that means it's him speaking, not just Kelly's good ideas. Yay. <laughs> that's good for you. Come on, that's, that's really good. Um, so if the first one that we talked about a couple weeks ago is, is uh, first resolution is to focus higher. That God is pressing into all of us that we need to make him first in all things. That it's easy to get distracted with life and the cares of this life and to often go to, you know, people around us or to knowledge and experience or to books and, and other things to look for answers. And in reality, we need to remember that we have a major advantage as believers, that we have a direct line to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe, and that we should use that direct line first, that we need to focus higher. And we talked about in that week that you worship what you love and what you love you will sacrifice for. And so this is basically a way for us to kind of analyze where in our lives we are not putting God first and focusing higher. And so this, is, this was one where he pressed in and said, hey, let's evaluate that one way to detect what you worship uh, is to identify what you're sacrificing for. So if we do a self-evaluation and realize, hey, I'm sacrificing for my job, 
um, that, that's, that's good. That's not a bad thing. But am I sacrificing for my job or am I sacrificing for my, my spouse? That's a very good thing. Come on, keep on doing it. Sacrificing for my kids. That's a very good thing. But am I sacrificing more for other things than I'm sacrificing for God? And that we just need to put things in priority and saying, okay, I want to make sure that all the things that I'm sacrificing for is in the right priorities and in the, in the right thing and that God is first in all things. The second thing we looked at, we looked at this last week, is grow smaller. And we looked at how throughout the Bible, it, God thinks differently than we think. That we think, especially in our, our Western world with all the advances in technology and all the different things, we think bigger is better. We think power we think might, and yet the Bible says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, and that God has a different way, a different strategy, and that one of God's strategies is, is first and foremost that he's, he's thinking smaller, that when, he, when Jesus came, he didn't come with might and with power, he came by the spirit, he came as a little baby, he came kind of, he had massive crowds following him at the beginning of his ministry because he was doing miracles, but he, even though he had the massive crowds, he withdrew by himself, he withdrew with 12, he, he focused on three, and he began to empower small, and he taught his disciples to empower small, and that somehow, some way, through that strategy, others tried to topple Rome with might and with power, and Rome would squish them. But somehow, the, the most powerful, largest empire this world has ever seen toppled with 12 untrained men making disciples, going small. We, we read this quote last week that relationship and connectedness are the preconditions for change. So small groups are essential building blocks for any future you want to create. And we said this, that if this is a God strategy, and this is one, honestly, that I've overlooked. As a pastor, I like big, and I like growing big churches, and, and I like all of that. But then I went, I'm overestimated the large and underestimated the power of the small. And Jesus said, where two or three are gathered. I'm going to build my ecclesia. Two or three are gathered. There I am in the midst. Not two or three hundred, two or three. That he's going to be in, in, in the midst of, of that. So God thinks differently. And we looked and said, hey, we need to press into relationships, smaller relationships, networks smaller, and network a little bit smaller in, in the coming years. All right. You ready for number three? Number three is anchor deeper. This one was birthed out of an angst, which sometimes God speaks through stress, fear, angst. Anybody else have God speak in those times? Here's what happened. During my sabbatical, I had a lot more time to watch and to listen to other preachers and other churches. And um, a lot of it was good encouraging but honestly some of it terrified me because I heard preachers say things that I you can ask my wife I'd be watching I'd literally rant and rave and get worked up and at one point almost threw my phone because I'm watching on, a, on, on my phone and I was like are you kidding me like you're preaching that come on and I'm quoting scripture back at this guy who's preaching and like it was crazy I was like 
ah, and I, I got this angst, and I went, wait, hold, hold up, hold up. It's terrifying to me. It's terrifying how easily we can access all types of ministries and preaching all around the world. And it terrified me, and I went, oh, no. Because I'm responsible as a pastor. I'm responsible to, to, and I was like, there's a number of verses that come to mind. I'm going to go through it. But it terrified me with the fact that we can access any types of information that we want. And here's what I want to say is that we have accessing to a whole bunch of preaching. And I just want to say because somebody has a pastor before their name or because somebody is preaching from such and such a church, that that doesn't necessarily mean it's from Jesus. Okay? (laughs) But here's what also terrifies me. I've got strong opinions of what is from Jesus and what is not. And what terrifies me is, what if I'm the one that's wrong? Anybody else ever had that thought? What if we're the ones that are... Because here's some of the scriptures that are, are scary in the Bible. It says this in Ephesians. It says, Then we will no longer be immature like children, which is good. And then he says, We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. <laughs> this bothers me. Because, come on, this is, this is Kelly being very vulnerable in, in multiple ways. As a preacher, and I can verify this with Pastor Jeremy, with Pastor Ralph, with Pastor Tim, any of the teachers. As a preacher, there's a pressure within, within North America, within the Western church, to come up with something new and something fresh and something revelational. Because the same old, same old is boring. Right? But then I was like, wait, 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 wait. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. I was like, new teaching is not necessarily good. I was like, okay. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Terrifying. Isn't that? That's terrifying. That's terrifying because, wait, wait how? If it's so clever that it, it disguises itself as the truth, I'm going, okay, ho- hold up. What if? What I'm listening to, what I'm following, what I'm inspired by, what if? I'm being tricked. How do we know? How do we know it's new teaching and how do we know what is, which, is, which is lies and what is the truth? Paul goes on, verse 15, he says this. Instead, we will speak the truth. I, I like, just you can underline this in your Bibles if you want, but I like that it says the truth, not a truth. Because there's, there's the truth, okay? And Jesus said, I am the truth, not a truth, the truth, okay? We, we, we have theologies out there and preachers out there that are saying that, that truth is relative. No. Relative truth is just opinion. <laughs> right? That there's truth, and there's not truth. And if that bothers you, let's just read on. <laughs> Speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. 
Oh, there's so much in this. There is a truth, and that truth will make us grow more and more like Jesus. The truth will make us grow more and more like Jesus. And there's lots of teachings out there, but not all of it is helping us become more like Jesus. Okay, Paul warned us about that. Paul says this in 2 Timothy 4. Some more scriptures that are terrifying. For the time will come when they will not, talking about the the church, will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their own ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Come on, let, let's just let's be honest. I accumulate teachers that I like. And I follow on social media those that I like. Those that speak same similar opinions. And we just dig deeper into our own opinions. Isn't, isn't this right? And we accumulate for ourselves uh, uh, teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the, there it is again, the truth and turn aside to myths. So here's, here's what Paul is saying. And, this, and he says this in Timothy, which is, Timothy is the pastor of Ephesus. And it's kind of like a next level thing of what he said in Ephesians, where he says, hey, there's the truth that's going to make you closer to Jesus. And then he says to Timothy, hey, the deceptions are going to be based on your own desires. And here's what Paul's really saying. He says, he says you don't listen just for what makes you feel good. Or what makes you, um, you know, ag- that you're agreeable with. You, it has to, the truth has to make you more and more like Jesus. Not more and more like your own opinions. Right? Deceptive teaching is what he says to Timothy. Deceptive teaching helps us achieve our own desires. It becomes all about us. Instead of more and more like Jesus, who was selfless in every way. So what do we do? How do we avoid being deceived? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians, he says this, test everything that is said. Everything. Even that which makes you feel better, even that which you're agreeable with, test everything that is said. Please, please, please test everything I say. Please. But in testing everything, hold on to what is Jesus, okay? So he says this, hold on to what is good. Test everything. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of of evil. Testing everything, hold on to what is Jesus and not is what, hold on to what makes you feel good or that you agree with. So how do we know what is Jesus and what is not right, because here's the terrifying things about all these, these scriptures and warning, is that he says deception is so clever that it sounds like the truth, and we agree on it. So I'm, I'm, I read those things, and I'm like, oh, like, am I being deceived? I mean, God, I, I, how do I know? And what do we know? And am I interpreting things properly in the Bible? Because come on, how many know you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say? People have done this for years, right? So how do we know? How do we, how do we test this? How do we know? Well, the followers of Jesus told us how. And uh, let's, if you got your Bibles, 
turn with me to First Peter, and I want to teach us how to discern truth. Is this going to be helpful so that we can anchor deeper? Because here's, here's, here's the goal is in the next years, like, is that we want to test, and in the coming years, we need to test, and we need to anchor and know that we're anchored in the truth, not in just our own opinions and ideas. Has anybody been sensing this a little bit? Because there's lots of opinions and saying, I, I need to know. I need to, I need to be anchored. Anybody sensing like I'm sensing? You're feeling the same angst. Okay. Uh, a few of you. So that's good. The rest of you, you can listen in anyway. Here we go. <laughs> 1 Peter 1, verse 13. We're going to press in to what the followers of Jesus told us. Now remember, here's what's fascinating to me. What's fascinating to me is that the first followers of Jesus didn't have this book. (laughs) So we have a major advantage, and yet still today, even with the major advantage of having this book compiled and the teachings of Jesus and all the rest, even even with the advantage that we have, it's still easy to be deceived. But I'm thinking, okay, these guys were, were warning one another about being deceived and all these different new teachings and different things out there. How did they anchor deeper? How did they know that they were anchored in the truth? Peter tells us in First Peter 1, verse 13, he says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. For your hope complete and fix your hope completely on the grace, that's the unmerited favor of God, to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, this is this is what I want you to see. It's interesting that Peter says not to fix your mind on knowledge. Isn't that interesting? He didn't say accumulate in your mind more knowledge, more teaching he said what to fix your minds on what action well that's interesting how do you fix your mind on action because don't don't we fix our minds on knowledge studying deeper he's saying prepare your mind for action interesting thought we're not supposed to just sit around idly gathering more information He says discernment. He's hinting that discernment happens best when we are active. Okay, how? He goes on. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all of your thinking. No, no, no. What did he say? Be holy yourself in all of your behavior. So he says, fix your minds on action. Be obedient. Okay? Be holy in all of your behavior. Obedient, behavior, these are action words. And the writers of the New Testament seem to repeat this over and over and over again as a way to protect ourselves from deception. Like, look at this. James, the brother of Jesus, said it this way in James chapter 1. Verse 22, he says, But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. In other words, he hints at delusion or deception or being tricked is going to happen when we're what? When we're hearers only. When we're knowledge gatherers only rather than doers of 
the word, which terrifies me because watch. Interesting, it's, it's interesting, it terrifies me because our North American style of church, our Western idea of church is knowledge-based, it's not obedience-based. It terrifies me because our system doesn't help people be doers. It terrifies me. And I'm looking, our system is set up in such a way that we can be more easily deceived, according to these writers. And I'm looking and going, okay, as a pastor, I'm going, we got to change some things so that we're not deceived. You hearing me? How? Let's get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> I don't know all the answers, but, but I'm, I believe there's something here. Look, watch this. Okay, because James goes on. Okay, he says this in, in the next verse, verse 25. Or in verse 23, he says, do lose themselves. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he's looked at himself and goes away, and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Anybody else like me? heard a message, heard a sermon, was like, that's good, and you forgot it by the time you got to the parking lot. One of my favorite conversations at the door is, Pastor, that was a great message. Oh, what was your favorite part? <laughs> All of it. <laughs> Come on. Anybody else? Come on, like, like we, we hear, oh, that was good, that stirred me, that, was, that felt good. I don't remember what was said, but I, I, it was good. Okay, that's what James is saying. But then he says in verse 25, he says, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it. Okay, so we look intently, we look at the law, we abide by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed, fortunate, favored, highly favored in all things, in all that he does. So it's not the accumulation of, of knowledge, it's the doing, the obedience, the behavior. Does this make sense? James goes on, this is, he says this in, in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 17, he says, he says this, this is fascinating. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. In other words, we think, come on, in our Western thinking, we think that sin is doing bad things or sin is doing wrong things. But James says, if you know, if you've accumulated the knowledge, but you don't behave on it, that is sin too. Yikes. Jesus said it the same way. Look at this in Matthew 7. We sang it this morning. Matthew 7, verse 26, says this. Everyone who hears these words of mine and... Or let's go to verse 24, sorry. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Notice that Jesus didn't promise that hearing... And doing his words would help us avoid the storms. 
of life. Remember, he, he didn't promise that. He did say, if you hear and obey and act on them, that when the storms come, you'll have the strength to withstand them. So it's not just the accumulation of knowledge, which we hugely uh, prioritize in our society, the accumulation of the right truth and hearing the right things and getting more knowledge and understanding. It's not the accumulation. It's acting on what you hear that will give you the strength to withstand storms. And then Jesus goes on. He gives us the warning in verse 26. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and it fell. Great was its fall. Okay, hold up. Jesus is saying, hearing good preaching, hearing the word, doing personal Bible stuff is just is not enough. Knowledge is not enough. Acting on obedience is necessary as part of accumulating the knowledge. So we need a paradigm shift. I need a paradigm shift. Because those of you who know me, like, I like reading. I like accumulating knowledge. I like, I like getting knowledge. I like knowing. And what I don't know, I want to find out. And I love studying, and I love all that. But here's the thing is I need a paradigm shift. We all need a paradigm shift from our current knowledge-based Christianity to obedience-based Christianity. How? Well, I plan to anchor deeper personally and, and, and doing what the word says and saying, okay, I don't want to be tricked by false teaching that sounds so close to the truth. I don't want to be spurred on by my own feelings. I, want, I, I don't want to take in all these things. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to lead you astray. I feel extra pressure because I get the microphone every week and be, be able to talk. And I, I want to know that we know that we're anchored deeper in the words of Jesus, in his, he says, his teaching and obedience of that. So for me personally, I changed and I've been changing the way that I do my personal devotions. And I, I want to teach you what I've started doing this year um, differently than what I've done before. Before, I would go through a Bible plan, I would read it, and I would accumulate knowledge, and i just read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. This year, I decided I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do, um, I'm gonna do a, a, what I, you know, discovery Bible study. And, and here's, the, here's the principality of this. is what I'm doing personally. And I encourage you not just to hear this message, but to do something differently about it, okay? We, we got it? <laughs> okay? And at the door, you can tell me it was great, and you're, tell me your favorite point that you're going to act on. That's what, that's what that you're going to change. That, there we go. That's, okay? <laughs> number one. And all the campuses, you can email me. Number one. This is what I started doing. I'm going to write a passage word for word in, in a column. So I'm, going to, I'm not going to read passages to get through a plan and gain more knowledge. I'm going to find, I'm going to start with the Gospels. I'm going to start with the teachings of Jesus because that's what he says. Start with the teachings of Jesus. And I'm going to take, you know, one to ten verses, maximum ten verses, and I'm going to write it out word for word. Why am I going to? I'm going to just basically read it and write it out word for word. And I've discovered, and I've been doing this, I've discovered that by writing it out word for word, it's like going over that same passage about seven to ten times. And that there's something that pops out of me as I'm writing it. I'm like, whoa. It's something that pops out of me 
deeper, bigger than it did before. I'm going to write it out word for word. And it, it does something in your brain. It, it really does. When you write something down, it solidifies. But I want, I want to obey the words of Jesus. So what I'm going to do secondly is I'm going to write out, once I've written out the passage word for word, I'm going to write out in a second column, I'm going to begin writing out what I just read in my own words. Okay, what did I hear? What stood out to me? If I was to tell you what I just read without telling you what I just read, I'm going to write out in my own words in column two. Then thirdly, okay, I'm going to write out I will statements. So firstly, I'm going to write out word for word. Secondly, I'm going to put my own interpretation on that. What I understand, that, and if I don't understand it, by the way, right away, and I can't do that comfortably right away, I'm still having to chew on it. It might take me one, two, three days to meditate on that or enough to be able to regurgitate it confidently enough in my own words. And then in the third column, once I can do that, in the third column, I'm going to say, I will. I will obey God by... Doing what I just read, I will. I'm gonna, and here's, here's what's powerful about this, is I'm going to write out an I will statement, and I'm going to act on that within 24 hours. What I just read. So if I write out a passage where Jesus says, bless those who persecute you, I'm going to not just say, that's, that's good. I'm going to write out, hey, um, you should probably speak well over or do something. You know, I'm going to act on this and do something different. And I will, in the next 24 hours, bless somebody that has spoken ill of me or somebody who's whatever, hurt me or something. When, when, when Jesus says, forgive those, then within 24 hours, who, who do I need to forgive? I, I, I'm going to, in the next 24 hours. Why the next 24 hours? Because, it's, because all of a sudden I'm going to obey not just hear what he's doing. And then, fourthly, I'm going to share what I've learned with other believers. I'm going to say to my wife, man, I read this. And this really stood up to me. I'm going to say to Pastor Ralph, I say, man, I just read this this morning. And man, this is what I interpreted to be. I'm going to share. Could you hold me accountable? I'm going to bless you, Pastor Ralph, for stealing ice cream from me all those years ago. <laughs> forgive, forgive you for that. And maybe bless you in return by giving, giving you ice cream. Like, like it's going to be, be amazing. <laughs> Miracles. Fifthly, if possible, if possible, I'm going to share, not the Bible says, I'm going to share what I've learned, what God's working on me with a not yet believer. So firstly, I'm going to find three, four, ten verses, Jesus verses. I'd encourage you to start with the book of John. Just write out word for word. And then interpret that in your own, in column two, interpret that in your own words. And then column three, I will. Do this. Column four, share it with somebody, another believer, small group, somebody close to you, saying, man, 
this is what I'm going to do. And fifthly, if possible, if you have a conversation, if possible, saying, man, I, I'm doing this in my own life. I just learned this. You don't have to say, thus saith Jesus or thus saith the Bible or I'm a Christian. Just, just say, hey, I'm learning to forgive. Because here's the thing. If we're going to anchor deeper and if we're not going to be deceived, the key is obedience not just knowledge, not just knowing the right things. It's obedience. It's doing what Jesus said to do. And if we do that, promises of Paul and Peter and James, Jesus himself, is that you'll be anchored. You'll be built on the rock. When the storms come, you'll be anchored. Anchoring deeper isn't, I got to know the right theologies. I got to know more. I got to know more. I got to know more. It's, I got to do what I know. Amen? Here's today's takeaways. Obedience is a spiritual discipline that makes way for transformation. It's a part of my obedience in doing what Jesus said. As I read, he said to fast and pray. I hate that. I like food. I know you can't tell, but I like me some food. I was like, but Jesus said, and I can't cheer on the people are doing it saying, that's good for you. And I was like, I'd... And Jesus also said that my church should be known as a house of prayer. And I was like, yeah. So that means I get to invite all of you to fast and pray with me, if you will. So next, next week, not this week, but a week from tomorrow... January 29, 30, 31. Three days. I'm going to invite you to fast and pray. And at the end, we're going to do a service on, on the Wednesday. At all of our campuses, we're just going to do some sort of worship some, and a little bit of prayer. We're going to fast and pray together. Not because, not because it's just a good idea, but because Jesus said, therefore we should do. Is that Okay. You can pray about it. I'm not guilting anyone anything. If you feel like, do what you feel. That's okay. But if you're feeling a twinge at all and just looking, okay, God, <laughs> okay. I'd encourage you to fast with us. And we're just going to see what God's going to say and what God's going to do. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we have your words, your teachings that we know can know your heart from them and not just what you said or what you believed, but God, we can do, Jesus, we can do what you taught us to do. So Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us 
Give us the wisdom to know what to act on and the courage and the strength to be able to act on it. In Jesus' name.